What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Mr. Miggity Miggity Mac, and with me tonight is my co-host, Dr. Diamond Doug, Triple D. As you wish. Well, thank you. Quick reminder, you can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com or on our Facebook at Adventures in Videoland. We are Critics with Attitude. In many of the AV podcasts, you'll hear some bad language. That's not really our style, so we'll try to keep this, uh... PG-13. PG-13. Mild profanity and some artful nudity. Ah, and only one F-bomb. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> also, spoiler alert. If you don't want tonight's ep movies ruined, then pause the episode, watch these movies, and come back later. With that said, we'll be doing something a little different tonight. We'll be talking about some movies... That were nominated but didn't make the Pantheon cut. Pantheon Rejects, if you will. Ooh. In our inaugural episode of Pantheon Rejects, we revisited The Breakfast Club and The Silences of the Lambses. We split on Breakfast Club, but both saw, thought, both thought, both thought, Silence should have made it. Tonight, we take on a royal theme and are revisiting <clears throat> The Prince of Egypt. And The Princess Bride. Both have been rejected. Let's take a look. Before we get to any of that, let's chat about Pantheon. Dr. Diamond Doug, what is Pantheon? Sure. Pantheon refers to movies that hit on all cylinders. Acting, directing, script, score, cinematography, special effects, essential viewing, uh, best of its genre. So if it's a if it's a genre film, it's the best of its kind. So if it happens to be a uh, documentary, that's right. Or if it happens to be a motorcycle ninja Ooh. 1980s cocaine rock, band, rock cocaine. friend movie. Yeah, it's the best, the best version of cocaine that ninja rock and roll friendship motorcycle movie. All right, cool. So, uh, Mr. Miggity Mac. Yes. Uh, so, of the two movies we're looking at tonight, they came yeah. in through two different avenues. To Pantheon. Yes, they to did. Pan to the Pantheon vote. One was a direct nomination. One was a direct nomination through Pantheon, mm -hmm. and the other was through a versus... A versus episode. That, uh, that somehow through with Adventures in Videoland, if, if something gets kicked up... Uh, that, that they can vote on it and send it to the council to get voted on. and Then the council doesn't have to do a full write-up. They can just say, thumbs up, thumbs down. That's right. Needs the two-thirds majority to get through. And that is how that works. So it was, uh, I believe the Prince of Egypt was nominated normally. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. By, uh, by, by, the, by, the, by a council member. And then the Princess Bride was in a Versus episode and did not. And we'll talk more about that a little later. Yeah. The, so just to... For anybody who's a first-time listener to, to this, uh, when the Adventures in Videoland has a council of seven uh, of nine, nine nine individuals, and each one of them has a chance to nominate a movie each year, and then all the rest of the council members will watch the movie. They'll do a 500-word write-up on the movie. And vote on the movie. In addition to those nine votes, there's a Facebook poll as well as a guest voter. The Facebook poll is a straight-up poll. Anybody who's on the Open AV group, Adventures in Video Land group on Facebook, can vote in the poll. Yep. The, the poll is a yes-no poll. And if the majority of Facebook group says yes, then that is one yes vote. Yeah, so then all total out of the 11 votes that it needs two-thirds majority, which is seven votes seven. out of the 11 in order to make it into Pantheon. 
That is one route. That is one route. And then route. another route is that they've got these marathons and verses. So if a movie get, makes it all the way to the end of those, it can get kicked up to the council. Mm-hmm. And then there's also another avenue at the very end of the Pantheon season when the council members nominate a movie to the Facebook community mm-hmm. to vote in. Uh, yay or nay. Yay or nay. Well, like they give them like nine choices. That's like each, true. That's and true. then, then the the most popular one wins. The last time that was the the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy. The entire trilogy. So we don't have to watch all twenty seven hours. No, of that. no, no, no. Nor the nor the thirty seven <clears throat> hours of behind the scenes. You yeah. know, special features and add ons. And by the way, that did not include the Hobbit movies. So those can be separately nominated and 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 won by the Facebook poll next year. It'll be amazing if that works. So speaking of Pantheon. Speaking of Pantheon, the season for Pantheon. Starts again here in a few weeks, and Brad, uh, Brad Hawkins will be kicking us off this year. You and I will both be guest judges. That's correct. In fact, yep. Uh, I'm going to be with uh, Ryan Smith on the fifth nomination in March. You're with uh, Kyle Brown. Kyle Brown, who's number you two. Lucky sob. I know. I totally. I would be all up. With Kyle Brown. You know how Kyle and I are always simpatico on every decision. Absolutely are. Especially the Life Aquatic with Steve Sassou. Oh, God. Yeah. Why do you have to keep bringing that up? (laughs) All right, moving on. Uh, Love you, Kyle. Love you, buddy. Guest judges this year, Mr. Miggity Mac. From Video Land will be Rob Lane. Mm -hmm. Triple D, myself. That's you. Patricia Petrillo. Perillo. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry, Patricia Perillo. Zach Brown, myself, Miggity Miggity Mac, Seth Fisher, uh, Keegan Goodman, Papa Wade, and April, April Hawkins, a.k.a. Skittles McBoom. Yeah, I understand. From the, from the roller derby. From the roller derby. That's, that's right. <clears throat> All right. Let's start with a little foreplay today. What is a fav- favorite quotable movie for you? Well, sure. Well, you know what? Right now, it's the Christmas season. And Fair enough. For me... Uh, there's many quotable Christmas movies, including uh, The Christmas Vacation, but for me the most is A Christmas Story. A Christmas You'll Story. You'll shoot your eye yeah, out. Like yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, whenever someone asks me about a quotable movie, especially for the Christmas season, for some reason, all I get is uh, Elf and You're Not Santa Claus... You're, <laughs> you sit on a throne of, of lies. You smell of beef and cheese. <laughs> that uh, and Santa, I know him. And yeah, no, I love it. I have a lot of quotes in my head though from non-Christmas movies. Yeah. Uh, for example, from Highlander, which I find to be a very quotable movie. People quote Highlander, don't even know it comes from Highlander. This is almost the release of Star Wars. So, uh, uh, Star Wars is one, um, and the Star Wars movies are very quotable. What, uh, let's see here. How about a kid's movie you think is as good as any other grown-up movie? A kid, well, A Christmas Story. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing in 1987? Yeah, well, so yeah, 1987, that's the year that A Princess Bride Princess came Bride out. was released? For me, I was in sixth grade. Huh. Yeah, I was in 1987, I was in sixth grade, uh, I was still 
uh, as dorky as I am today. Just as dorky. Well, you didn't get more dorky. As I age. got more dorky as I. I aged. think you did. I, did. I, I did. think you did. I've known you for like a hundred years, and I, you've quite gotten quite yeah. dorkier in those. 100. At that time in 1987, I do believe that was around the time when I was starting to memorize the table of elements because oh. I was bored in science class. Did you do it with a mnemonic or a, or, or no? Like a I just song? did it all the way through: hydrogen, helium, lithium, yeah, beryllium, right. boron, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen. I just yeah, I could I go all the song. way through. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in 1987, I was a fresh-faced college student at Purdue University who clearly knew everything and uh, my claim to fame was I was capable of reciting the military alphabet in something like 11 seconds or some ridiculous Fantastic. Thing. The whole Alpha Bravo, Alpha Bravo, Delta, Echo, Foxtrot. I could just through all of it and uh, it did not serve me well when I did that in front of a in front of a, a senior ROTC officer I was berated for not teaching the rest of my squad to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, our other movie tonight, Prince of Egypt, came out in 1998. 1998. What were you doing in 98? In 1998, let's see, all of my children had been born. Uh, I was, uh, oh, I, I, I was uh, still very heavily involved in my consulting company and uh, had moved back to Lafayette. Uh, I had moved away for a few years. And uh, yeah. I don't know. I was working a lot. I was in uh, teaching. I was, I was teaching. in Granville, Michigan. I was in Granville, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Second year of marriage. Uh, hadn't had my kid, my first child yet. I was in seminary back at the time. That was in my previous life. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which smooth. <coughs> yeah. Sorry. You don't have to make fun Vinyl of Landers. me for being that. Holy smokes. Yeah. So no, I was uh, yeah that was uh, my previous previous career ten years uh, as a as, as, as a, a pastor. Oh, that's right, a pastor. So uh, yeah, that's what I don't know if that, is for. that I don't know if that'll help the discussion of Prince of Egypt, but uh, it might. It might. Uh, there are some things to talk about there. That's for darn sure. <clears throat> All right, let's uh, let's move along here. The Prince of Egypt. Let's start with the Prince of Egypt. Sure, sure. In fact, would you like so in in celebration of our royal episode uh, here, the Prince of Egypt and the Princess Bride, we're gonna make uh, we're gonna be drinking some uh, Crown and Cokes. Hmm? Uh, I have some Royal Crown here. Crown Royal. Uh, correct. Which would be the Royal That's Crown right. would be the soda. This is Crown Royal, the whiskey. Uh, we're going to start with this, and uh, we'll, we'll pour ourselves a little, little bit of that. Hope there you guys can. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's and that. then uh, I have a, I have a, the, the fancy yeah. screw-on lid on the crown. Some, some period, some period correct this Coca-Cola is, from in, ancient Egypt. This, this is the kind that still has the very heavy black plastic cup on oh, the bottom of the yeah. two-liter bottle. Yeah, that's how old it is. Oh, so very nice. That. that is so very nice. Just the, the appropriate mix, as we would never want to do these inappropriately mixed. Yes. Oh, alrighty here. And, well. L'chaim. Uh, uh, L'chaim. <laughs> That's pronounced, I think, with a ch. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm. Actually, that's quite good. It is quite good. All right. All right. Let's get to it. The Prince of Egypt came out in 1998. Uh, it was rated PG. It is an animated movie. If you haven't seen The Prince of Egypt, I strongly encourage you, again, to pause the episode, go watch the movie, and come back. It is an animated movie um, directed by Brenda Chapman, who also directed Brave. Steve Hickner directed the B-movie. Simon Wells, who directed Mars Needs Moms. 
not to be confused <laughs> with Mars Needs Milfs. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to confuse those, those two. Those are two separate yeah, movies. Very different movies. We'll be reviewing Mars Needs Milfs next time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, screenplay by Philip Lazebnik, who is the screenwriter for Mulan and Pocahontas, and with extra stuff by Nicholas Meyer. Uh, produced by Penny Finkelman Cox and Sandra Rabins. Musical score by Hans Zimmer. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. What else has Hans Zimmer done? No, yeah, think? We'll get back to that. Ha. Anyway, we'll come back to that one. Uh, animation at DreamWorks. It's a DreamWorks uh, Studios animation. N- uh, Nick Fletcher, who is the general studio ed- editor for DreamWorks, was the editor. Yeah, so if you name a DreamWorks film... <laughs> he, he was he, the editor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was in theaters, uh, was released December 18th, 98, so technically really 99. What uh, is today's date? Today, Today's date is... Uh, the 17th? Is it the, the 18th? Uh, no, it's December 17th, so tomorrow. It was released tomorrow, except 21 years ago. All right. 21? Yeah, 21. Right? All right. Yeah. Math, I think. Math. Runtime, 98 minutes, and of course it came out uh, from DreamWorks, and DreamWorks is a Steven Spielberg yeah. uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's kind of where things go. All right. <clears throat> uh, the DreamWorks franchise is some other things from DreamWorks. Prince of Egypt, of course. Shrek, Madagascar, Kung Fu Panda, Monsters vs. Aliens, How to Train Your Dragon, The Croods, Turbo, Trolls, Boss Baby, and all of said sequels to all of said other movies. Yep. All these franchises are... Our dream work. Now, this movie had a lot of big names in it. It did. It did. It had uh, one of the biggest names was Val Kilmer. Yeah. Val Kilmer. How do you pronounce that one? Kilmer. Kilmer. I don't think I've. I don't think I've heard of him. Ralph uh, Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, Ralph Fiennes. Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, both of those start with an F sound. Pfeiffer. One has a P in it. Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock was in there. Jeff Goldblum. Danny uh, Glover. Okay, uh, just a quick side note. I yeah. have said to many friends that Jeff Goldblum uh, is not as much an actor as a, an artist who can insert the Jeff Goldblum character into anything, and it will still work. That's how I feel about Rob Schneider. I am. I, you know what? We feel the <laughs> same about that. But uh, in this particular movie, it took me a while when I first heard that Jeff Goldblum was uh, one of the one Aaron. of the villagers. Yeah, yeah, Aaron. That's right. That he was in it. It took me a while to actually recognize his voice. This was uh, where he was actually showing some of his acting chaps. Uh, Danny Glover's in there. Patrick Stewart made it so. Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren. Steve Martin. Not the Steve Martin from One Size Fits All, although he would have been, I'm sure, fabulous. No, yeah, One Size Fits All. Fabulous comedy improv troupe in Lafayette, Indiana. I've heard of them. I've heard they're they're amazing. But also Martin Short, not to be confused with Steve Martin, one of them is not their name. That is right. That is correct. This is an animated retelling of the beginning of the book of Exodus, largely focusing on the biblical tale of the release of the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt. Let my people go. Sure. All right. Why don't you uh, talk a little bit about the ratings and some of the reviews. All right. So on IMDb, this gets a 7.1 out of 10. Metacritic gives it a 64% with 18 positive, 7 mixed, and 1 negative from the uh, from their aggregation of the, uh, of the reviews. Their aggregation? Rotten Tomato. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has a, has it at eighty percent fresh, seventy six percent audience score, and Google listed as ninety four percent. Who liked it? Ebert uh, Ebert review. He gave it three and a half out of four stars. 
saying, What it proves above all is that animation frees the imagination from the shackles of gravity and reality and allows a story to soar as it will. If DeMille had seen this film, he would have gone back to the drawing board. This is a film that shows animation growing up and embracing more complex themes instead of chaining itself to the category of children's entertainment. I just want to comment on that just real quickly. We could talk about these other reviews as well. When I first read that review, uh, which, to, to you know, full disclosure, was a week ago or, yeah. or, or four days ago or something, five days ago, um, it it resonated with me because this is exactly what I felt about this movie when I saw it. Uh, when I saw it was going to be an animated movie, I, we took the kids to it at the theater. Yeah. And um, I thought to myself at the time, it's a great kids movie. And then as I watched the movie... I forgot it was supposed to be a kids movie or even necessarily a biblical story, just a story yep. that was being told using animation. So anyway, I, I, I get where Ebert's coming from. Sure. Uh, so for Rotten Tomato, here's a couple other reviews. Stephen Hunter, Washington Post, has it fresh. The movie's proudest accomplishment is that it revises our version of Moses towards something more immediate and believable, more humanly knowable. So I'm glad that they uh, they could make this character more knowable. More knowable. <laughs> something something cool with that. It's almost like they're trying not to say it makes the story of Moses something people give a hoot about. Yeah. yeah, which is odd. How about Jeff Miller? Houston Chronicle, he gives it a fresh. The handsomely animated Prince of Egypt is an amalgam of Hollywood biblical, biblical epic, Broadway super musical, and nice Sunday school lesson. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Uh, Liam Lacey, the Globe and Mail, says rotten that this movie takes itself way too seriously. And Owen Gleiberman, Entertainment Weekly, says it is also, like, listed as rotten, says there's a nagging disharmony between the grandeur of the tale and the lazily anachronistic dialogue which spoon feeds the audience. Mm, that, some... was, that was Owen's take, hot take on Yeah, his hot take on There were some Metacritic reviews. Uh, uncredited but from Empire gave it a hundred Prince of Egypt is epic storytelling on the grandest scale big imagery big themes big emotions all met head on head on and accomplished triumphantly within a film that is in essence a live action movie my feelings exactly about it at the time more precisely a Steven Spielberg live action movie writ cartoon conversely Jay Hoberman from The Voice uh, they list this as a 40 out of 100. As entertainment goes, however, the desert spectacle is no Aladdin uh, uh, film around the time, despite the impressively strong graphics of the vast urban spaces. All right. So Metacritic of the hoi polloi, yeah, the, the common folk. Yeah, the, the unwashed masses. The unwashed masses in flyover country. Uh, overall, 8.5 out of 10, 123 positive, 9 mixed, and only 5 negative will 1494 gives it a 10 this is one of the best animated films of all time it's a very specific and and right oh, to yes. the point yes. this is definitely the greatest dreamworks movie ever yeah that's saying something yeah, this, uh, you know for when they this was in 1998 or it probably was written actually in 99 because this movie came out mid-december 98 so it's probably a 99 uh, uh mindset but and then we finally have our friend Spangle! What does Spangle say? Now, this is shocking because most of the time that we've uh, we've run into uh, Spangle... Uh, Spangle! 
That's right. We. Uh, I hope Spangle listens to this podcast. I, 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 I hope so, too. <laughs> I uh, uh, Yeah. Uh, so he has normally given pretty good reviews to stuff. In line with what I was like, what is he going to say? He gives it a two. Wait, that's like a two out of three? A two out of ten. Oh, Spangle. Yeah, you uh, bad boy. So he Girl. says he says things that I expected a lot better, to say the least. Prince of Egypt is decently animated, but it serves as a Sparks Notes version of the biblical story that not only is far too quick, but it is a shallow adaptation at best that misses key elements of the story. Even worse, it changes a lot of things. And then he goes on to say, uh, you'd be far better off just watching the Ten Commandments if you want to watch a film version of the Book of Exodus. And it's true. The DeMille's version of Exodus is like the whole book of it's Exodus. The whole book. It's like 97 hours there, long. There was three and a half hours of yeah. just people begatting yeah. people. Yeah, it well, was amazing. Yeah. Everything <laughs> is borderline comical and the fast pace, the way it just skims through the story, are incredibly annoying. And if you don't know the story, it's hard to follow. Overall, the Prince of Egypt misses the mark by about 40 years. Or by Spangle's measurement, by a score of 8. Yeah. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 10 oh, minus yeah. 2. Uh, all right. Receipts. The Prince of Egypt in 1998 had a production budget of $70 million, which actually makes a lot of sense because of because being animated. Yep. Um, uh, the box office domestic gross was $101.4 mil. Foreign, another one seventeen point two. Uh, our, I think it's now officially copyrighted. Uh, yep. But in seats index trademark TM uh, average ticket price in nineteen ninety eight was four dollars sixty nine cents, and that makes a butts and seats index of twenty one point six million viewers. Twenty one point six million U.S. viewers US in the viewers. theater in butts oh. in the U.S. seat. U.S. theater seats. So by comparison, uh, also DreamWorks, Shrek 2001 came out just a few years later, had a $60 million budget. By the way, just a slight little side note, in the three years between the two releases of these movies, everything changed in animation in that the computing and software technology changed so they could generate thousands of of frames Mm -hmm. uh, electronically, which they could not do with the Prince of Egypt. So... Just so that people know that. So that's why the budget for Shrek is only $60 million, where the budget for The Prince of Egypt was 70 Anyway, domestic gross for Shrek was $267.7 million buckaroonies. Average ticket price in 2001 of $5.66. That is a butts in seats index of $47.3 million. Over double. than twice. That is right. Yeah. So... Direct comparison to 1956 is The Ten Commandments. We're talking about DeVille. Runtime of three hours and 40 minutes. I think think the three hours and 40 minutes is just the begat section. But anyway, its domestic gross was $65.5 million. Average ticket price of 50 cents. That means 131 million people went to the theater to watch the Ten Commandments in the fifties, according to our uh, according to our butts and seat index uh, al- algorithm here. Yeah, well, you know. Now, like, so I threw this one in here because I was like, okay, what's another which one version that? of ex uh, of the Exodus story? All right. So we've got the Exodus story, Gods and Kings, mm. with Christian Bale. I'm heavily CGI. I am Moses. <laughs> heavily also uh, heavily CGI, but live yeah. action. So uh, this one with a budget of 140 million mm-hmm. in 2014. 
it had a domestic gross of $65 million. Wait, uh, I'm thinking this is mathematically a loss domestically. Well, domestically. Foreign, oh. it had $203 million, oh, but still, yeah. it had less. Uh, it, it made uh, it made about the same amount of money yeah. as the Prince of Egypt. Sure. With an average ticket price, though, of $8.65, <laughs> it had a BSI of $8 million. So eight million people saw that compared to the twenty one point six million that saw yeah. Prince of Egypt. I would say just this is a guess. This is not proven scientific or anything. A guess is that because Prince of Se- Prince of Egypt was DreamWorks and animated, that there was a huge uh, block of viewers that went to the theater to see it because it was thought of as more of a kid's yeah. movie. Yeah. Or I, and, or uh, I another block. I would my eight-year-old to go see Exodus, Gods, yeah. and Kings. Well, and, and another block, and I would I would argue probably another block to consider is the churchgoers. The churchgoers, yeah. Well, and synagogue goers. Sure, yeah. Yeah. So, like, th- that the story was online for that. I remember the advertising for the Prince of Egypt and... Uh, it was not explicitly religious or, or uh, religiously oriented, but it uh, but it was clear what the story was about. Like no one was gonna, no one was going to assume this was about the leaders of Egypt. It was clear yeah. that while named the Prince of Egypt, this was a story of Moses. Yeah, and and uh, the Exodus. And and I was reading about this the uh, that to to lend the movie some credibility in terms of like. That this is a serious undertaking yep. of an animated film. Yep. That they didn't sell toys. Right. They didn't. They didn't sell merch. Right. Like you weren't. Able, you were not going to be able to buy a, a little kid a Moses size, doll. A Moses doll, baby doll, and a little basket, a wicker basket, like okay. that you could stick the baby in. You don't get a Camp, Castle Grayskull esque red no. red sea that will part when you press a button. No, and there there weren't like little vials of lamb's blood to squirt over your dollhouse's right. door just you know to make sure Passover. They didn't have the. Uh, they didn't have like a, a toy version of the Angel of Death. Yeah, yeah, sliding down. Nor were this. Nor was it. You know the barrel of monkeys. There wasn't like a barrel of frogs that you could just like yeah, dump yeah, over your Lego right. city. But million, didn't happen. Million they dollar, did not do it. Million dollar idea though. Like <laughs> yes. we should get on that. We should get right on that. Ah, Well, alright. So that kind of you know leads us into our next topic. Uh, uniqueness. So one thing about this film that's unique is that even though it was animated, they didn't uh, they didn't uh, uh, market the toys and the, the flood of kids things that go with it it was a serious movie as one of the reviewers said this was a live action steven spielberg movie done with animation what else makes this film unique well and i would say i would i would put this in context to even say even more specifically what makes it unique as a pantheon possibility fair enough and and don't and i would not overlook the animated portion of that yeah like that it is an animated movie like it's were there any dis- other animated movies nominated for Pantheon I'm, at any time? I'm trying to think, and I'm not sure. I could look them up, but I think the answer is probably no. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I can't think of any. A year from now, into the Spider Verse is going to be there. Yeah, yeah. Or it's uh, yeah, and we can chat about that yeah, as we go when on. When the time comes, yeah, yeah. Uh, but definitely it, that. So one animated, mm. two that it is a biblical tale. Yeah. That's true. So, like, it has religious yeah, over it, it has religious overtones, right? Not overtones. It just has religious tones. The religious. It is a religious. It's a religious story. story. Yeah. People know the story because they read it in the Bible, or they were told the story as a Bible story. 
uh, it is known as a Bible story. Yeah, so it is a story to be told. It's a, and there is, um, in that case, there's other stories that have been told that were books or stories that have been turned into movies. So, sure. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Of course. For being one of them. Of course. Uh, but I would say then, according to that uniqueness, then also, what would you say the challenges of this movie would be? As a nomination for Pantheon. Uh, oh, is Toy Story in there? I think Toy Story, I just happened to look real quickly. Uh, Toy Story is in Pantheon, so that's an animated okay. movie. Okay, yeah, So yeah, that, yeah. that's fair, that's fair. I wasn't thinking about that one. Uh, but what, I don't, I don't know what other... choice. I don't know what oh. other nominate. Yeah, fantastic yeah. choice. Uh, who, is Who Framed Roger Rabbit in Yeah, there? but do you consider that an animated movie or a CGI movie? It's um, kind of blended, right? Well, an and animated Roger or live is, action. Yeah, that, yeah, I'm sorry, that's what I meant. Live action, CGI, yeah. blend. So I would call Who Framed Roger Rabbit more than 75% live action. So anyway, all right. So along with the uniquenesses, what are, uniqueness. what are the challenges then? Like of for this, this movie? as a pantheon nomination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one of the challenges is going to be that there may be, maybe some pre-bias to the storyline because of its of its subject. You mean if somebody's not religious or doesn't like church stuff Either or whatever. Not religious or they feel like they've already seen every single Bible story or Moses story done again and again, or that they, or because, uh, because the, you know, if you read different versions of the Bible, you're going to get slightly different variations on the stories in the Bible, including the story of Exodus. It is different in different versions of the Bible. Slight details are changed, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, we're talking like deep cut stuff here. Well, though. No, no, like no, no, for, no. For the for the like, so the when old, it comes to like the Old Testament, the Christian Old Testament is not exactly the same as the Jewish book that they would follow. That's the same book. It's supposed to be the same book because it has the same foundation. Large, but the stories largely are slightly the different. same, but it, like there there are some like uh, Aramaic versions of things, and there's some other versions. Uh, most of this story that I would say yeah. is, is pretty intact. Regardless of version, just change, okay, changes the verbiage. Fair enough. So I guess what I was going to say was that if people know, know, uh, quote unquote, know the the, uh, the 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 Moses story, the way they learned it, the way they were brought up, the, the with the elements that they were taught, and then someone else says this is the Moses story, they might not be exactly the same. And I think that one of the challenges for this as a nomination is. This didn't match exactly the story of Moses and the, and, and the Exodus that I grew up with, but I just watched the movie for what it was. Yeah. But that's me. That's how yeah. I watch movies. Well, and the, uh, so the movie itself, like DreamWorks itself, puts a uh, preface before the movie that says, we messed around with the historical accuracy here. Like, we, we messed around with the storyline a bit. The essence is the same, but the yeah. storyline... We messed with. Yes. Uh, I don't recall, by the way, I, I may be remembering this incorrectly, but I don't recall the Pharaoh, when he was a child, being best friends with Moses no. and them hanging out together Yeah, and, uh, you know, riding out uh, into the, the work lands yeah. where they there were was building no, pyramids. There was no Ben-Hur race, no chariot race. 
And there's no evidence that Moses was a reckless teenager yeah. out there having a good old time with Daddy's chariot. Moses, uh, yeah, the the Pharaoh's wife didn't pick him up, but it was the Pharaoh's daughter, yeah, daughter. and then it was raised by Pharaoh's own mom or Moses's, Moses's mom own was the handmaiden. But they took that out and of the story. And then Aaron had a bigger role, yeah. and like Zipporah showed up later in the story. Like there was things. I think there was also was it. Is it right? I may be wrong about this one, but I think they got two of the plagues in reverse order. Oh, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. I'm just saying these are some of the things that make it a challenge that somebody might either yeah. be like, oh, it's a religious story and be kind of biased against it directly. Or they might be very yeah. much into religious stories and really knowledgeable about yeah. them and find this to be offensive because it doesn't follow yeah. the Di- biblical narrative. Different sides of the argument. Of the same like, argument. One people is like, I don't like Bible stuff. And the other people yeah. is like, you need to get it perfect. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's that's my thought. That was what I was trying to go for when I said well, I, it was and, a and I very much agree with yeah. that. Um, so, like, but there are, but there are differences. Yeah. And... Um, there are. Like... Uh, and I, and I was I was doing some reading on this in terms of like like to, earlier today I was like I'm I'm gonna go ahead and look up uh, did anybody write any stuff on it any articles on this yeah. uh, and and any search, research articles any research articles and, and and there were a number of articles that were um, kind of talking about like they messed with historical elements of the story and thematic elements of the story that mm-hmm. undercut the importance of the story mm-hmm. like from their from this from the writer's perspective yes. uh of saying uh like for one of them and, and i'd agree with this is the the moses story that we get in the prince of egypt is a much more disney-esque very clean fairy tale version of it yes as opposed to the biblical version of the story which is more complicated because like Moses in the, uh, and, and this is, uh, I'm, I'm leaning on old seminary stuff here. Sure. Uh, the uh, uh, straight up murdered a dude. He didn't accidentally push a guy off a no, scaffolding. No, no. He, killed he a straight up murdered a dude, tried to hide his body. Yeah. And then when other people said, are you going to murder us too? Then he ran off to the desert. Yeah. As opposed to like, so uh, this version in the Prince of Egypt is much, is, is more kind of like straight line, Less nuanced, less morally ambiguous, ambivalent mm-hmm. um, uh, than the other version. I, I think that, and this is something that, that just occurred to me in in my memory uh, of the, my original feelings about this movie was that the Moses being uh, the baby Moses, the Moses growing up, uh, and the Moses finally deciding to leave. Uh, that part of the story they played around with more than him coming back and saying. I've been told to get my to get my folks out yeah. of here. That from that point forward, where he said, "Hey, you need to let us go," because you know, or else, and then the or else occurred. That was a lot more biblically accurate than the first part. Yeah, yeah. So the first part was like the fact that he was friends with Ramses, who ended up being brothers? like, yeah, brothers. In fact, yeah, that they played around with that. Yeah. There are some other elements of later on where Moses and Aaron had much of the brother, much more of a brother mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, than Ramses and, Moses, Ramses did and in Moses in this story. So like that element was a little bit different. So, but they they wanted to play with that. I think so, so. Yeah. Well, and the title was Prince of Egypt. Prince of Egypt, not not orphan of Egypt. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you know. All right. 
let's let's move along. Um, I think, you know, one of the notes here was uh, just a little, quick little discussion on is the accuracy really important for a movie like this? In my opinion, not as much so. But I think we kind of already touched on yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Let's um, let's break it down. So we talked about Pantheon movies. Uh, they're, they're hitting on all cylinders. And those cylinders are things like acting, casting, cinematography, score, screenplay, and special effects, specifically... Uh, the ones that that make some sense. Let's start. Now, let's start. let's start with cinematography. Yeah, let's yeah. start with cinematography. So, uh, an animated movie, it, it still you still have to look at the cinematography because the animators make decisions about how they're going to frame the scenes, just like a videographer would. Yeah, and I, and I would say for this movie, from mm-hmm. my perspective, mm-hmm. the standout, the like, and and and, and when when uh, we said okay, which movies are we going to look at? The Prince of Egypt, I, I sort of remembered this movie. Right. Like, I had so, seen it 20 years ago. Uh, and I'd probably seen it yeah. five to ten times, yeah. 20 to 15 years ago. But but, the, uh, but in my head, I was like, oh, it's an animated movie. And I kind of, like, push it off. But right. then I, as as I rewatched it, I was like, geez, Louise. Yes. The, the, this, the animation in here is it's just... so good. Is really great. It, yeah. it, and it, it's not animated... Really great in the way that Shrek was like, or even Toy Story were mind blowing, uh, uh, breaking no, new boundaries animated. It, it was animated in a very traditional, in an artistic sense. Yeah, in, in like, and I was reading about this where the animators had taken cues from uh, the the uh, illustrations from. Uh, from old Bibles okay. and Claude Monet and like uh-huh. so like they had taken hints from other artists mm. and then built in the grandeur of DeMille and like the old view so like all of this together they had crafted this very impressive visual just uh, pastiche you know like it was just uh, an incredible visual experience mm-hmm. like it's so big yeah it's so big so big yeah I saw years ago something that just came to my mind. It was a, it was a, it was like on one of the, just a TV channel, maybe A and E or something, and it was talking about uh, animators that make movies like this one. And this movie was one of the movies they discussed. And they, the, the animators, one of the animators said that they had built a little model of the chunk of Egypt that were a lot of the stories, the city. Yeah. Uh, and they, they they actually called it the Indiana Jones Village because it was like the one where he used the staff to figure out with a light beam yeah. showed where the yeah, yeah. pit was. And when you walked into the room, here was this gigantic model. And they would take, the animators would take uh, photographs, instamatic photographs at different points to be like, okay, what's going to be in the foreground? What's going to be in the background? Yeah. What's, what's the scale of these two buildings against each other? Which makes a lot of sense. But just imagine building that model, knowing they're not going to shoot anything there. Yeah, they're just going to take pictures. Well, and in addition to that, that they use a couple different styles. Like uh, there's some dream sequences where they they make the hieroglyphs come alive. Yeah, and they it's a slightly different style. Um, I, I read something on the fact that the parting of the Red Sea, which happens for four minutes in there, took right. two years to animate. And I would say. It was two years well spent because yeah, the, it was just the, very impressive. The parting of the Red Sea scene 
is one of a couple of moments that pulled me out of the movie. Yeah. Because they're walking across it, it's exactly as I envisioned it, until they showed like a humpback whale swimming right next to the parted opening, yeah. and I thought... It's not Brr. like uh, like something I was seeing. It was like the whale tail is the wrong direction for it to be a whale. So it's actually a fish. But I'm like, what it's a fish really is that? Big <laughs> damn fish. Yeah. It's a fish. That's that is like a lot of sushi. Long. That's a lot of sushi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not but sure. No, I get that. But yeah, I went. I went. Well, uh, whale? Because there weren't any whales in the. I don't. I don't believe there. I will in say scene, so. that, like, when it comes to the animation, that there are a few moments when they're trying to match up the CG to the animation where the CG doesn't quite the motion of the CG doesn't quite capture uh, yeah. like how it's supposed to move right it's like different, different but it was speeds. new yeah like 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 uh, him in the uh, in the in the, uh, the 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 chariot I was gonna say specifically and in the background was a construction scene this is what's in my memory and he's moving along one way and and the construction scene perspective, if the camera was staying with the chariot, should go this, like, to the left, let's say. But it almost slightly moves to the right instead and then down. Yeah. And it didn't make any sense. But I just let it go. And yeah. then when I rewatched the movie, I went, yeah, this, I remember this particular piece being a jarring moment. But I got to say that those things are things that they clearly made a decision they were going to spend the money to fix because it wasn't that big a deal. Sure. And it really doesn't change the movie for me. It really doesn't. Yeah. If, if they had fixed those moments, maybe decided not to have the whale in there or, or the little motion, I wouldn't have changed my mind. So uh, we should pause for a second to say that Brad nominated yeah. this movie. Okay, fair enough. Um, I don't have this review in front of me, but I'm sure that he wrote all sorts of things about excellent animation as well. Probably. But then uh, the, the, the story is great and all sorts of stuff. Um, but I just want to note that this was Brad's nomination to right. the council. So let's talk about let's talk about acting and directing, both the casting, okay, and the editing and the choices they made. I have no question that they have a wonderful cast in this. But we already talked about yeah. Steve Martin and Martin Short, and they actually have cast members from a couple of different genres of movies that are all working together on this. I'm not even sure if some of these people ever worked together before or since, uh, necessarily. But uh, uh, some of them were surprising choices. Uh, the voice of uh, the voice of which one? Oh God! Uh, I'll uh, tell the, you. The, the, oh, the voice of the of the of the um, Jethro, the big guy, no. Aaron Moses, Mo uh, no. Patrick Stewart, the Pharaoh. Cut it out! <laughs> you son of a. Which character are you thinking? The 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 Pharaoh. Uh, the old pharaoh. The old pharaoh is Patrick Stewart. But, uh, yeah. Okay. What about the new pharaoh? As Ralph, an adult. Ralph Fiennes. Okay. No. So Patrick Stewart. That that one. It's Patrick Stewart's one. Uh, that one. There were points in that that, of course, in 1998, I was still expecting him to sound like Captain Picard because uh, it's Patrick Stewart, and he always sounds like Captain Picard, and uh, and he didn't. And uh, but then you have to remember, Patrick Stewart is not only a character actor. But a trained actor and a, a very, yeah. very, very good Shakespearean trained yeah. actor. Yeah, so yeah. he can sound like whatever the hell you want him to sound like. That's what he's going to sound like. He's probably going to sit at home and practice for five weeks until he gets it. But so I, I, a lot of acting I'll, casting. I'll, I'm going to say this for the acting. Yeah. Is that a lot of well-known actors, for me, mm -hmm. that the acting itself didn't do a lot for me. Okay. Um... Partially, what, what pulled part, you out of it? partially because uh, 
in a, in a lot of animated films that you have characters who are that the they take the actor and they build the character of the actor into the character that they animate. And this is why you don't notice that who people are sometimes. And and sometimes it's even better in animated films where you just don't know who they are at all. Mm-hmm. But in this film that there was elements of the like they just didn't build in the essence of the actor no, into the character. They made the the actor put move yeah. to the so, character. So so for me that just kind of flattened everything a little bit. Fair enough. I can see that. Um that there was there was high points for me. Danny Glover as Jethro. Oh yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. I I liked him Patrick Stewart. I yeah. I really liked him. Um I couldn't really tell the difference between Ralph Fiennes, uh, Fiennes, 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 yeah, Fiennes, yeah, Fiennes, Fiennes, Fiennes. We'll go with we'll go with and Val Kilmer. Like they were they were interchangeable. The uh, low points for me were Sandra Bullock as Miriam, and honestly, Jeff Goldblum as Aaron was like. <laughs> huh? Well, that's why I just said. didn't do anything. Here's the thing about Jeff Goldblum. And like, I didn't like he I didn't plays like, Jeff Goldblum. When he doesn't, it's yeah. meh. I didn't like how they wrote Aaron for the story. Okay. Uh, one because it was different from the original, or just you didn't like it in general. Both. Okay. Uh, one, it was like like it was different from the original, so Aaron's part just got real low. But then I just also didn't care for what they did with Aaron's character sure. in the in the play, regardless. And then. I didn't care for uh, Miriam, Sandra Bullock's Miriam either. Yeah. Um, I didn't even realize it was Sandra Bullock, that that's who Sandra Bullock played till you just said it. Yeah. And I've seen this movie so many times. I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Sandra Bullock, yeah. No, 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 that's fine. I, I trust you. I'm saying I didn't recognize it. Yeah, that. so so for me, like, it was, a, it was a little flat. You're right. Normally you listen to, you watch an animated movie, even DreamWorks animated movie, you watch uh, uh, Shrek. And you can name the actor or actress. Uh, you can name the actor for every single part. Yep. All of them. Yep. No question at all. Uh, the voice of God. Yeah, which was an amalgam of Val Kilmer and everybody else's voice. Yes. So that they could, like, because they wanted to do something special with it. Um, I thought it was an interesting choice, but, like... I thought that was a cool choice. I yeah. kind of like it. And I kind of like the fact that, yeah, controversy, they can avoid that for one. But also, it allowed the voice of God to literally be all of our voices. And it's, like, uh, like I guess experientially, if you heard the voice of God, you'd probably hear yourself, yourself. talking. You, you'd think you'd hear yourself. I right? guess. I suppose so, you know. Uh, directing uh, kind of goes with it in terms of how did... How is the pacing of the movie? Uh, I guess that's the uh, you question. Know, one of the criticisms, Spangles' criticism, was that the movie went very fast like, through the storyline. It did through the first half. Act one, act two till he leaves. Yeah. Very quickly. Well, and for me, the uh, like, I was trying to figure out like a different way that they could have done it. And I wasn't quite sure, but the, the montage of the Ten Plagues seemed like... It was glossing over a lot very fast, and the explanation of the Passover also seemed like they were doing a lot with the character between yeah. Moses and Ramesses. Yeah, 
but the explanation of the meaning of the Passover it, for the people that they were talking about seemed like they were glossed over. To me, it honestly felt like they dealt with the Passover and, and even the plagues as like, yeah, there was collateral damage. But the real the real thing to focus on here is Moses and Ramses arguing on whether he's going to let them go. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, there was collateral damage. Anyway, moving over here, pay attention to these two guys, button heads. Well, and even... That in, felt a little... Yeah, jarring and, and, and in the like, and from like knowing the, knowing some of the story is that like the first couple of plagues, th- three plagues were yeah. over, were, hit everyone, but then uh, then they pulled back so that Israel was spear, spared, uh, or the Hebrews were spared, yeah. but then the Egypt was, but like all of those nuances were just like lost in a song. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Right, so speaking of songs, how about the score? Love the score and Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer, this relatively unknown. You know, I'm, I've heard he did a movie about darkness and a bat. Dark Knight, I think it's called. Is that it? I think he's done the movie. Wait, for does sh- that one also have the heathen ledger guy in it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, Sherlock. If you... you mean the TV series? No, it's a movie. Oh, they... you mean the movies with uh, with mm-hmm. Iron Man? Yeah, with ah. Iron Man. Incep- about... Inception. Have you heard of that one? I have. You know what else I heard he did? There's a couple a couple movies Pirates in the series of the Caribbean? about the pirates. That's right. What is the? Oh, I say Caribbean. Yeah, but you know, yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's the same one. Uh, Lion King. I don't yeah. know if you've heard of Lion King. Gladiator. Everybody thinks that Lion King movies, Lion King songs, were all written by, by uh, Rice and uh, uh, Sir John something. Elton something. John. Yeah. Well, Elton something something. But uh, no, apparently not so much. Gladiator, Man of Steel, and one of my favorite movies uh, of the last ten years. One of my favorite movies of the last ten years, Interstellar. I'll tell you with Man of Steel that yes. the Man of Steel theme. The theme song, yeah, can get me choked up every time I hear it. Really? Yeah, no, it doesn't it's have just, that effect on me. But it, it things just, do. I'm old. So. It just hits me. Yeah. Huh. yeah. But Interstellar, uh, a lot of people don't think of the music, the score behind that movie, but but there's an amazing score there. Screenplay. Well, we've talked a lot about the story itself, so we've kind of touched on the screenplay quite a bit. Yeah. But what did you just? If you were to give the screenplay itself uh, a number uh, one to five, what would you give screenplay? Four. A four. How about, what would you give the score? Five. All right. The cinematography animation? Five. The directing, editing, and choices? Three and a half. I'm with you on that one. How about acting? Uh, right around that same, like uh, in that three, three and a half. Range. I would actually say two and a half, but that's just because... Well, you're a, you're, I, yeah, you're a B. I can't say uh, that because of the PG-13 rating. No, we can say one bitch, but oh, no more than yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, how about special effects, specifically the way yeah. they did music? So, the musical numbers. Yeah, the, the musical like, numbers. Like the, the songs. Yep. I'll say this. that So, this won an award for best song for When You Believe. Okay. Which is kind of like, you can have miracles yep. when you believe. Which seems to Many suggest if you believe enough, you'll get all these miracles. Many people have heard this song and don't recall what movie it's from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yes, that is a great song, which I have sang as a solo, by the way, at a graduation ceremony. Fine song, even Not though like singer. you can have miracles when you believe, comes on the back of the slaughter of all the firstborn of um, uh, of Egypt. Yeah, hello, <laughs> were they believers? But uh, <laughs> I, I will say, oh, we're laughing at death. I will say that um, for me, 
Deliver Us, the first number, mm-hmm. which then gets picked up at the very end, was an even better song which than was? When You Believe. Which Deliver was? Us. Yes. Da, 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 right? Sure. Um, that... I th- like, and I haven't mentioned this yet, but for me, the best part of the movie was the first five minutes. Yeah. All right. Like that that whole deliver us scene of where they lay out the exposition. Yes. Um, but I, I I love the songs. Yeah. All right. So let's uh let's kind of wrap this one up and we'll move on. Uh, did the council make a mistake? So I, I'm gonna do a little quick little math based on the numbers that you gave it. Yeah. On these six topics. You think it should be Pantheon? Pantheon, well, you're right on the right on the edge. Right, right on the edge. Either four and a half, four point four, four point six. Yeah, so right the, on the edge. The rule of thumb for 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 those that are unfamiliar is that uh, if you believe out of five that a movie looking across all these aspects scores a four and a half at least, then you could say that it's Pantheon. Yeah, and you're saying it's in that range. It's right in that range. I'm saying because of acting, nothing else. And, and now that you've mentioned it, the, the muddling of the acting by bringing the actors to the characters as opposed to the opposite is probably the reason that it happens here. I am below. I'm at like 4241. Yeah. I wouldn't make it Pantheon. But we're not in it. We're, we're no, we are neither disagreeing nor agreeing. So here, let me add this. Yeah. So I was right on the edge. Yep. And then I asked myself this question. Go for it. If I compare it to Into the Spider-Verse, yeah. which is another animated movie. Another animated movie. Would I, like, how does it compare? And I would say, you know what? It, like, it drops it down. Because I think that Into the Spider-Verse should be nominated for Pantheon and make it into Pantheon someday. I, I think that's um, probably true. And if we're going to say best of its kind, something like Into the Spider-Verse would... Knock it out of the water. I tell you something. I hesitated and drag, drug my feet and pushed back watching Into the Spider-Verse because it was an animated movie. And I, I, I saw the bias that I had. I, I recognized it. I knew what it was. I didn't welcome it. I was actually critical of myself because of it. Uh, but I did push back watching it. I had a free weekend... I decided I'm going to watch four movies. I don't care what they are. And I'm just going to go for it. And Into the Spider-Verse turned out being two of them. I actually watched The Sucker first and last of the four. Loved it. Forgot it was an animated movie completely. Just got pulled into the story. And I did have that same experience with Prince of Egypt. But Into the Spider-Verse, you're right about it. It's just so much better. It's so much better. that said... uh, I have to I have to throw this qualifier out. It was a great nomination because I would I have completely overlooked the awesomeness of the animation and and cinematography, yes. like quote unquote cinematography. If two years ago this nomination was here and you and I were chatting about it, I would say yes. Yeah, I would. Not but that now, our votes count. But now you've seen some other stuff. That I've seen some like, other things, yeah. and I go. I've seen this movie so many times. I can stop being pulled into the story a little bit and start looking at it. So okay, sorry to Brad. Sorry to Brad. Brad, you you were right in nominating it. It's a great nomination, but I think Doug and I are pretty much, yeah. although it's on the edge, 
We're pretty much in agreement and that it shouldn't be there. If Goodwill Hunting can't make it in, neither can Prince of Egypt. Holy God <laughs> in heaven. <laughs> if Miami Connection had made it in and not Goodwill Hunting, I would burn this studio down. All, All right. right. The Princess Bride, you know 1987. What? Hey, before we get to that, yes. you know, I was thinking... Oh, you know what? We, we, yeah. we have a sponsor. Yeah. Like, we have a sponsor. Like, we don't really technically have a sponsor, but we well, were thinking about getting a sponsor. I tell you what, this particular sponsor has sponsored us in the most sponsory way you could yeah. sponsor a podcast like this one. And who is it? Who well, is it, Dr. Diamond Dime? Let me tell you, tonight's show is brought to you by Chafed Chips Chafing Dishes. Ooh, love Chafed Chips. Whether you're looking to serve food at a fancy wedding or your office party, Chafed Chips Chafing Dishes has got you and your food covered. Chafed Chips Chafing Dishes meets all your chafing needs, including economy chafers. The little ones, you know. Standard chafers. The great, the, well, kind of the medium-sized ones. Deluxe chafers. Oh, I make chili in those. Supreme chafers. Oh, God. Soup chafers. Uh, induction chafers. Uh, disposable chafers. Oh. Electric chafers. Drop-in chafers. Chafer urns. Chafing griddles. Chafing Grandma's fuel. Chafer, chafer stands. Chafing boxes. And, of course, ladles. Ladles. you got to have ladles. Again, if you're serving a lot of green beans, almondine, or even rehydrated eggs mm. think mm. chafe chips chafing dishes all right thank oh. you chafe chips chafe chafing chips, dishes chafing dishes you guys yeah rock if you want to sponsor this show and have an uh have a have, have a little sponsor announcement like that i'm gonna have a little bit of uh queso out of my chafe chips chafing dishes right oh. here Man, uh, thank you, Chafed is, Chips Chafing Dishes. So warm and toasty. Serving our chafing needs. As Dr. Diamond Doug was saying, if you too would like to sponsor our show, all you need to do is contact us through Adventures in Video Land on the Facebooks. And we will do your, commercial, do your commercial right here. All right, let's move along. Chafe Chips. The... <laughs> the Princess Bride, 1987. This is a PG movie, although lots of violence. Still PG. Uh, it's a fantasy romance adventure. If you've not seen The Princess Bride, you are missing out. But it is directed by Rob Reiner, who directed a few good movies. Yeah, Misery, A Few Good Men. Oh. This is Spinal Tap. Misery. He oh is my also God. Uh, Rob Reiner, meathead from... Uh, oh, a, f a f family affair. Fam no. Uh, what is that show again? With the... oh my goodness, to the moon! Nope, wrong one. <laughs> yeah, we'll get it's it. Meathead. All right. Uh, the screenplay all in the family. All in the family. How did they we escape? How did that escape our minds? Screenplay by William Goldman, who wrote *Indecent Proposal*, and a consultant on *Goodwill, Goodwill Hunting, Hunting*. Also, a movie that should be a wrote, but. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, they died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Produced by Andrew Scheinman, Rob Reiner. Musical score by Mark Knopfler, who's from Dire Straits and Sultans of Swing. Cinematography by yeah. Adrian Wait, Bill. wait, wait. Go oh, back. Go back, Mark Knopfler. We are the Sultans of Swing. Yeah, dun, love. Dun. Mark Knopfler is the guy who did the music. I love Dire Straits, Money for Nothing, and the rest of them. I probably have five albums on cassette in my garage at home. Cinematography by Adrian Biddle, uh, cinematographer for Aliens, the second one. And, uh, Game over, man! And The Mummy. Uh, edited by Robert Layton in theaters September 25th, 1987. 
Runtime, 98 minutes. The same runtime, yeah, by the, the way. Yeah, the same runtime. We did. We pick up a lot. Alien, 98 minutes. Studio 20th Century Fox. Uh, you can check it out on DirecTV, DVD. It's periodically on Netflix. It's periodically on uh, Amazon Prime. I've seen it on a bunch of those. Uh, I've can also I, watched it on Hulu several years be, ago. Can I be drinking the Crown Royal for this movie? You should. It is a royal royal what? movie, The Princess Bride. The Princess Bride. Uh, casting. Uh, we had Carrie. I always. I always. I, is it Elvis? Yules. I don't even know. Yules. Is it really Yules? Yules. I always say Elvis. Mandy Patinkin, who I love in almost everything he ever did. Yeah. Uh, Chris Sarandon. Christopher Guest, Wallace Shawn, Andre the Giant, Robin Wright, not Robin Wright Penn. This was before that. Uh, Peter Falk, love Peter Falk. Fred Savage, and Billy the Amazing Magician Crystal. And, and Carol Kane, who and Carol is his Kane. wife. Carol Kane. I forgot Carol Kane. We can't forget Carol Kane. She should have been listed first, frankly. Yeah. Uh, synopsis, box office. Mojo says, while homesick in bed, a young boy's grandfather reads him the story of a farm boy turned pirate, uh, or or as I read it, farm boy come pirate, uh, who encountered numerous obstacles, enemies, and allies in his quest to be reunited with his true love. All right, ratings and reviews. IMDb <laughs> puts it at 8.1 out of 10. Metacritic, 77. Rotten Tomato, 97. Fresh, 94. Audience with a Google... A uh, score of 89%. So of the those four things, three are higher than the previous movie, but Google score is a little bit less. Hmm. That's yeah. amazing. Ebert, by the way, gave it the exact same, three and a half out of four. It is filled with good-hearted fun and performances by actors who seem to be smacking their lips and by a certain true innocence that survives all of Reiner's satire. Uh, and also, it does have kissing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It Did does. I read that wrong? Oh, the kissing part. Yeah, yeah. All right. Rotten, Rotten Tomato Reviews, good. Jennifer Lynn Westbrook of Culture S gives it a fresh. Everything about the Princess Bride is charming. By far, the film's dialogue is its most enduring legacy. Inconceivable. Liar. <laughs> Liar. Variety staff uh, gives it a rotten, which oh, is one of a few. Assholes. Only a few. Oh, you got to be watch the PG thirteen rating sorry. right there. Uh, is it, are you having too much Crown Royal? <laughs> nope, not even close. <laughs> Based on William Goldman's novel, this is a postmodern fairy tale that challenges and affirms the conventions of a genre that may not be flexible enough to support such horseplay. <laughs> uh, most are like uh, Peter Bradshaw. From, From the, the Guardian, Guardian. yeah. yeah. What says is it's fresh. It's an adventure which reaches back to Golden Age Hollywood. I agree. And the devil-may-care world of Douglas Fairbanks, or Tyrone Power, playing Zorro, or Errol Flynn, playing Robin Hood. I watched those movies and TV shows as a kid and was pulled back to those shows. This wasn't that long after I was watching those shows. So this came out, I saw it in the theater a couple of times, I think on one of my movie marathons, when you used to do movie marathons back in the eighties, you would just you would time and schedule your jumps yeah. from movie theater to movie theater to movie theater so that in a day you could see six or seven movies. And I believe that in in a single day we saw this movie in the middle, and the other movies I compared back to it. Okay. Uh, but uh, but this was only you know this was less than six or seven years from when I was still a high schooler uh, or or middle schooler after school. 
watching Zorro uh, or or uh, old black and white uh, Errol, you know, Errol Flynn sure. and, and those movies. And so it really drew me back to that even then. Uh, I love the sword fighting scenes in this movie and some other things. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so they so, they, they hit on the head. Richard Corliss of Time uh, through Metacritic uh, lists uh, lists this review as a one hundred. As you watch mm-hmm. this enchanting fantasy, feel free to be thrilled or to giggle as you wish. <laughs> this time, happily ever. Some reviews were not as positive. A little tepid, maybe. Peter Sack from the San Francisco Chronicle gave it a fifty. Said, "Nah, kind of cute. Occasionally amusing." And very, very slow. I just wish it had more momentum, more oomph. Yeah. No, I get it. Okay. How about the hoi polloi? The hoi polloi. The unwashed masses from flyover country. Little Man P32 uh, gives this a top 10. By the way, Little Man P31 didn't yeah. quite give it as good review, but Little Man P32. Oh, nailed it. Bam, the 10. World. This is hands down my favorite movie of all time. I loved it. As a kid, still haven't found a movie I'd rather watch more than this one. It puts a big smile on my face and warms my heart. Now, Broken Shirt, and I actually thought their name was Broken Shirt Zero when I saw this, but then I realized, no. That was the score. Their name is Broken Shirt, <laughs> and they gave it a zero. A Broken zero. Shirt. Seriously. I watched this for my English stuff, but this is terrible. The actors are terrible. The main girl character is a beep, and worst movie in history, and I counted, there are 42 exclamation say, points yeah, after the word 42. history. 42. Like, it's actually terrible, it's like a movie made by kids. Now, I've watched movies made by kids, not to be named, and some of them were questionable. Uh, I, I find it difficult to chat to compare these together. Hold do, on. Do we have any more reviews from the Metacritic Hoi Polloi? There is one, and it's from our friend Spangle! Spangle! Gave it a seven! Read Spangle's review. Sure. He says, an incredibly fun and still impressively fresh and unique take on the romantic comedy and fairy tale genres. The Princess Bride is a true crowd pleaser. Funny, adventurous, and romantic. There are not many demographics that are missed here. On that note, the film is not quite as funny as I anticipated. It's 80s funny, so it's hard. Yeah, it is very, very funny all the same. It expertly blends this comedy with a captivating adventure tale and a very touching and well-crafted romance fitting for its fairy tale approach overall the princess bride is a classic for a reason and it's not hard to find out why why char oh, oh spangle you've redeemed oh, yourself spangle i hope you listen to us someday spangle you know what spangle if you ever listen to our podcast and you like to contact us yeah. you could do so through the adventures in video land facebook page which is open for anyone to join we would be more than happy to have a cup of coffee or yeah, bend an elbow with really you reach out to Spangle time. at some point. We'd be willing to road trip to wherever yeah. you are. If you're looking for Spangle, he does reviews on Metacritic. You will find him there. Yeah. All right, let's talk about receipts. The Princess Bride came out in 1987. Its budget was a very slim, felt $16 million. Oh, wow. Domestic gross $30.9 million. Made the bucks right here in the USA. Foreign gross only twenty k twenty thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars. I'm thinking possibly the Princess Bride wasn't actually released to movie theaters. Yeah. Other than the yeah, US. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very a U.S. centric movie. 
Average ticket price in 1987 was $3.91. So our patented trademark BSI butts and six. Butts. Butts. <laughs> butts in seats. Butts in seats. Woo! Butts, butts in, in seats. seats. index is seven. <laughs> 7.9 million. Which, uh, set, like, <laughs> very, like uh, very close to Exodus Gods and Kings. <laughs> boots and pants and boots and pants. Alright, anyway. What's in seats? <laughs> uh, let's compare that to Shrek. 2001, which we already talked about. Budget was 60 million. Domestic gross, 200, nearly 270 million. Average ticket price, 566. About 43 million people watched yeah. Shrek. About eight million watched, and the, the reason Princess I thr Bride. threw this on here on the comparison no. list was it's just a similar concept, yeah. right? You've it's got a, a princess, a parody, rescue parody of a yes, fairy tale for sure. Hook, nineteen ninety one, actually not a bad comparison when you think about it. Their budget was seventy million. I love Hook. Yeah. Anyway, their budget was seventy million. Their domestic gross was nearly one hundred and twenty million, one nineteen point six. Another one hundred and eighty one foreign. Average ticket price four dollars twenty one cents, but in seats index twenty eight point four million compared to seven point nine for the Princess Bride, Muppets, the Muppets movie twenty eleven with Jason uh, Siegel. Yeah, the guy who always shows his wang on film, but not in this movie. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. I think sure. they snuck it in. I'm like pretty it was sure. the thing that made. Uh, it was one of the Muppets that <laughs> that made uh, Beaker stand up straight. Me, me, me. Anyway. Anyway, 2011 Muppets, uh, budget was $45 million. I'm not sure why the puppets were already all made. I think we're still reeling from the butts and sex index. <laughs> Domestic gross. I didn't say that. You totally did. I just mispronounced the word seats. Yeah, by saying sex. <laughs> oh, God, nobody wants to hear this. All right, domestic gross, $88.6 million. The foreign gross on Muppets was 76 and a half. Average ticket price of about eight bucks means butts and seats index was 11 million. Yeah, now not actually, too far the Muppets off. movie is not too far off. Uh, triple the budget, uh, triple the uh, domestic gross, uh, a lot more of the international, but but not really that many more people saw it. Now, the Muppet movies are also Disney. A lot of people don't realize that Muppets are an integral part of the Disney family. And uh, Disney expects a higher performance out of their movies. So, yep. yeah. Anyway, all right. So, uniqueness. How is, uh, Triple D, how is this film unique? Not just for Pantheon, but in general. Okay. So, this movie is functions as a not full parody, but semi-parody of a fairy tale genre mm -hmm. that harkens back to these uh, Robin Hood, Zorro-esque sure. movies of old. Not right? quite like the airplane movies where yeah, it's that not... was a parody of the uh, yeah. of the uh, 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 of the shoot tragedy zero movie. hour. Yeah, right. The the big major calamity. But in this case, they took all the things that were in a fairy tale movie and made them still a fairy tale movie. And like when they had a sword fight. They made it look yeah. like an actual sword fight. However, at the same time that they did not push realism so far that they that they um, that they avoided using set pieces, yeah, which were obvious set pieces, obvious like set the pieces. sword fighting, right, was on a studio set, yeah, as opposed to shot in Iceland, right. 
you know? Yeah, and it was... Uh, yeah, that's true. But also, the, but I see it as they use real swords. They use real training fencing sword or, or I mean, real fighting swords uh, for that. They may not have been sharpened or whatever, but the point is so that what you saw and the way that it made their hands move and the way the two chunks yeah. of steel hit each other looked very realistic, which sometimes in a movie that's a parody, you can tell the things they're hitting each other with are hardened plastic yeah. Yeah. or something else. Or they jump on a rock and the rock wiggles because obviously it's actually foam. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So, uh, like, going along with... So, uniqueness and challenges together. Sure. Okay. Uh, that... This movie, um, this movie leaned into the fact that it was a parody, but it did not take itself so seriously at the same time. And I'll throw this in: it was a comedy, right? And as far as Pantheon nominations go, comedies are hard pressed. They are because people have expect people have expectations. Yeah, and they comedy want is them subjective. to be comedy. Yeah. For example, think about Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Right? It's a parody. It's a comedy. It's a period piece. It They used sets. And, and it's a great comparison. And too. it's a direct comparison. Except, I mean, they, they made choices about black and white and, and, and some of the... Some of the ty- I keep kicking the table. Some of the kinds of comedy they made. But um, but 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 they're they're a direct comparison, really. Yeah. So like Young Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is how you pronounce. Yeah. That. Uh, like to go back to the Universal movie, uh, Universal monster movie pictures. Yep, right. And this one harkens back to the uh, to the Robin Hood, the pirates, the Robin Hoods, Rob- yeah. the yeah, 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 for sure. So. That said, that, it's a challenging nomination because not everybody would get the humor. Not everybody likes the same thing. Like, the disparate between reality and set pieces. Not just that, but something else we saw uh, very recently uh, with, uh, with Breakfast Club and some of the others is that movies that were specifically made to pluck the heartstrings of a specific generation... Do the opposite of some sometimes do, yeah. sometimes do the opposite of the next generation, which is which to ask the question like, when people love this movie, is it just nostalgia? That's where I was headed, right? Yeah. So, do people love this movie because of the nostalgia, or do they love this movie because of the movie? Because it's a good movie. Because on its own, it's fantastic. Sure. As I opposed agree. to, as opposed to. 23 years you know 20 x years ago 30 years ago when i saw it it was amazing or when i saw it in college it was amazing i watched and i believe we talked about this before i watched Beastmaster as a kid and was sucked completely into this whole story great this was the best movie i had seen in my life probably the best movie ever made i watched it <laughs> four years ago or three years ago what garbage is the this entire time laughing this at is... my own less than critical self being drawn into the slapstick ridiculousness of this movie and and how while i can see why of the genre which also would have included Arnold Schwarzenegger, Conan the Barbarian, Conan movies, and a yeah. whole bunch of movies made at that time period, not just this one, Crawl, which I still have a, a warm place in my heart for the movie Crawl, but the movie was terrible. I don't know if I've seen. Oh, uh, you should watch Crawl. The Conqueror, it's spelled with a right? K. 
K. Crawl. No, I got it. Yeah. 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 Anyway, the point is, in my mind, this movie stands apart for a lot of specific reasons. Casting is one. Yeah. Casting is a big part of this movie that makes it stand separate than a lot of those movies that are really good because of nostalgia. The writing and comedy, the timing, the stuff that they allowed to be to be left in the movie that was just improv at the moment. Yeah, mostly Billy Crystal. That's true. They said that there were whole parts of this movie that they that the that most of the of the uh, staff the crew would leave because their laughter would be heard in the soundtrack yeah. because of Billy Crystal. One of the few injuries that happened on the movie was was the, like a broken or a sprained rib from broken. from maybe broke a rib either Mandy Patinkin or Rob Reiner one of the two. From laughing, laughing. At, at Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal, because yeah. he wouldn't stop. Like, they would say, cut, and he would just keep going for ten minutes. <laughs> no, so I loved it. And, like, uh, like, and there was other people that could have been in the uh, in the film. Danny DeVito was on the line for Vicini. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Although uh, I think the choice they made was perfect. Arnold Schwarzenegger was originally uh, for Fezzik. But uh, but by the time that they came around to making the movie, he was such a big star that they couldn't afford him. Yeah. So like, uh, but I love the casting. Yeah, I really I do. The casting was good, and you know, of the cast that they had that weren't like big names at the time, they became Robin yeah. Robin Wright uh, and uh, 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 Carrie uh, L L L Carrie was like. Uh, though I don't believe those were, I don't believe those were big names no. in '87, but they became, and not because of this movie either. They became on their own because of their abilities. So let me say this: the so for me, Mandy Patinkin, by the way, was a rib yeah, injury. Yeah, Mandy Patinkin is the is the high, like Mandy Patinkin and Billy Crystal mm-hmm. and slash Carol Kane are the highlights of the movie. Oh. I love Andre the Giant. Oh yeah, Carrie is fun. Who, by the way, if any actor in the movie. Phoned it in. It was Andre the Giant. God bless his soul, but, but the man was not an actor. Yeah. So of course he phoned yeah. it in. For me, that like the one character that just didn't hit as strong as any other was Robin Wright as Buttercup. Agreed. But her role also didn't have to be very deep. Yeah. She kind of was. Uh, she kind of was the feather in Forrest Gump, floating around on the wind. Yeah. So like. That said, she was cute as heck. Yeah. She reminded me of Liv Tyler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot. Uh, and she goes on to uh, become the president's wife and the president in and House the of Cards. And not just and that. And the general in, uh, yeah. in, in, in Wonder Woman. She's been in a lot of amazing she's, roles. Yeah. She's a great actor all by herself. And she didn't do bad in the job. But, no, I just but it, the it role was just was like, big. Uh, for me, it was like, that was like the one part that was a little bit flat. Yeah. Um, I agree. But other so than that, if you look back at, at uh, Wallace Shawn was great as uh, Vicini, yes, of course. If you look back at, for example, by comparison, the role of the the quote princess role in Shrek, uh, portrayed by um, Cameron Diaz, Cameron Diaz, uh, she was a take that role, and the character was a take charge character who yeah. you know like drove the storyline forward. Not so much the case for the princess in this movie. For a movie entitled The Princess Bride. But that's okay, because the story really wasn't about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway. She was the MacGuffin. She was the MacGuffin. She was the MacGuffin. 
No, I, I I liked her, but she was for me the flattest part of the movie. I'm with you there. Uh, directing and editing. Yeah. So, uh, director. Let's see. Who is this again? Rob uh, Meathead. Uh, Meathead Reiner. Something. Meathead Reiner. All in the family. Uh, you know, I don't actually think I've seen a Rob Reiner movie that I hated. Not yeah. ever. But I really, really like this movie. I didn't recognize it as a Rob Reiner movie when I saw it. But when I realized later that it was one, I went, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he just kind of has a way of sort of looking at a story and making it work. <laughs> Uh, our coke bottle is popping <laughs> it may explode it's possibly the lack of air pressure in the room so there was something that that i looked up when i was looking up stuff on this in terms of like were there any articles written on this sure that, research articles yeah research articles that, that i wouldn't said, be surprised um that they use uh william william goldman uses uh conventional i'm good for now okay uh uses conventional um some conventions for an adventure plot into this movie. Okay. Three of which include exploring an exotic location. Right. Episodic scenes. Yes. And then finally, uh, that you also have this physical conflict built into the story. Okay. So Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid have the same thing that they're out in the Wild West. Right. And then they also have these episodes, and then they right. also have this like physical conflict, and it culminates at the end. Yeah. Where Princess Bride has the same kind of structure to it, where you've got episode, you've got exotic environments, you've got you know you name them, you've got episodes. So like you can think like the Fire Swamp. The the like you were naming it the 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 sword scene. sword fight like the the the, uh, the 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 castle attack where the, they go in with the big cloak the albino's uh, research lab with the sucker machine for yes. sucking the life out yeah the machine where they suck the being life out being at the of castle them. being yep. at uh, Billy Crystal's like those are all episodes the the, the oh my god are they going to show rape scene yeah. What? what? She's in the she's in the bedroom, <laughs> and he's right next to her. The, and, oh. and he's like, you're like, oh my god, are they gonna go here? And it never goes there <laughs> because I know when I'm watching the movie, I'm watching it with my kids, and I thought, holy smokes, what? I don't remember this yeah. part of this movie. He just, he just mentioned a perfect set of breasts <laughs> that you shouldn't be wasted. <laughs> what is going on? Okay. So yeah. In any in any case, like that, like. For what it was, this adventure plot fairy tale movie, that it, it hits all those points. Yeah, yeah. Um, one could argue whether or not that's a positive thing or a negative thing, but it definitely hits those things. It does. Cinematography. How do you I, feel about the film? Locations? I actually liked the way the film was shot. I liked the scenes, like the sets, like the way they they framed it. I liked the way they put it together. Uh, I liked the way they they mixed things like tight shots and broad and wide shots to make. To give you the feel for where are you and then what should you focus on. I mean, that's that's how I see those things in a movie anyway. Is like, okay, where are we and then what am I supposed to be paying attention to? Because I pay attention to everything. Um, and so uh, I, I thought cinematography was right on right on the money. And locations. Everything from, as you mentioned, from like a, a farmer's field that just went on forever to big cliffs just down to the ocean. Uh, ships off in the distance. Yeah. You know, hallways in a castle. And, and for me, even though they played with this juxtaposition or shifting of real shots yeah. versus set shots, set shots, I was okay with it because of like, the genre that they were shooting for, yeah, which was this enough. like 
I don't want to say full parody, but an homage to these old movies. Fair enough. And I was okay with it. How about the score? I, I, I love the score in terms of the theme. Was there anything specifically the theme is one? Yeah, about the score that for me the score drove the drove the story forward. You knew when you were supposed to be like anticipating a thing. Yeah, where they like they have the orchestral hit. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, how about the special effects? And that's something we haven't talked really about. There was very few kind of special effects. Some of them were chunky for a reason, uh, almost like a stage play. Yeah. But the the swamp, the swamp was one with the fire. Yeah, they had fire. Yeah, and that was kind of and the rodents of unusual the rodents size. Rodents of unusual size were not good, but, but they were not good on. Purpose. But it was kind of like a wink and a nod. It was a wink and a nod. Yeah. You, weren't, you weren't supposed to believe that those were alive. Yeah. Um, I, I, so, yeah. I was okay with it. Like, I'm all right with For it. what it was doing. But here, like, for me. Yeah. If there is, besides for the fact that, like, I thought of the cast, Robin Wright was a little more flat than the rest. Sure. For me, one little black mark on the film is if you kind of chunk it into three acts beginning middle end the middle kind of had a lull for me it did between the fact of when wesley uh was caught caught by, by tortured and tortured and then by the and then finally he finally came back and then miracle max right well but, but everything between when yeah. he got caught and miracle max yeah was kind of like a low point for me in the story where they were exploring it was like going other stories and then like it pulled way down they were exploring other stories in yeah. there which you know people like to quote for example um the uh you know my name is uh uh, uh my name is uh Montoya. you killed my father, my father prepare, prepare to, to die. die which people have also used as the the definition of how you how you give a presentation in class, introduce yourself, give a a, a story that connects you, to, and yeah. then give a an greeting. expectation. Yeah. yeah, greeting, introduce. Right, exactly. So anyway, uh, that's that's all there, and that all is going on in the middle, uh, and that's a side story, like a sub story, right, of the whole thing. But anyway, uh, okay. So, I I do want to note. Uh, I do, I do want to note this. Yeah. Um, so, when I was watching the movie, I had to ask myself the question, like, because I love this movie. I have to agree that I really, really love this movie. And I had to ask myself the question, do I love this movie because of nostalgia? Right. Or do I love it because of what it is? Right. I would argue that I would love this movie more so for nostalgia than you. Because of how old you were when it came out. But I don't know for sure whether nostalgia plays a part in that for you. Well, it, it is nostalgic. Uh, because this movie came... Like, you were for in me, elementary school. Yeah. But it's not when it came out. It's when I was introduced to it. Aha. Were you in college or college? Close? All right, fair enough. Right, and then so it, it's, that's when VHS tapes. So yeah, all this stuff was there. so it's you not, guys can watch movies. It's not. It's not about when it came out. It's about when I was introduced to it. So what it connects you to in your life story. Yeah, which is college. Which sure. which somebody says you got to watch this movie. 
I watched the movie and I'm like, oh, great. Oh, my gosh. And then doubling, like, let's, like, connect it to the fact that it is an incredibly quotable movie. It's very quotable. As you wish. Yes. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Uh, a nice MLT sandwich. Mutton, lettuce, and tomato. Where yes. the mutton is very lean. Have fun storming the castle. Have fun storming the camps. Castle. Liar! Almost Liar! dead. Liar. I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. Like <laughs> I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. Yeah. So, like, it's so freaking quotable. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, like I was introduced in college, yeah. and I loved it. So like nostalgia, not from 1987 when it came no, out, from but 1995. Yeah, 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 yeah. So for me, nostalgia. For me, for this movie, nostalgia takes multiple kind of waves. Yeah. When I watched it, which was in a theater with friends, uh, college friends, but also. When I watched it again with my kids, and when I've watched it again with my wife, um, you know, even just ten years ago, uh, it's it's a lot of nostalgia. But that's not why I love this movie. I the reason why I watched it repeatedly and introduced my children and my wife to it is because it's a good movie. And I've played it for my kids, and they watch it and they love it, which kind of tells you it's more than nostalgia. Yeah. So it's not just me. I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, let's watch this movie. And I'm not going to tell you to love it. I mean, you know the context that sure. I'm showing you a movie because I think it's good. Because I think it's a good movie. So they're going to see that to start with, of course. But they watch the movie. They laugh. They yep. love it. They yep. say, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Yep. And I should say, Mandy Patinkin knocked it out of the park. Of course he did. Yeah. Of course he did. Yeah. Okay, let's... Did they make a mistake? Shouldn't it be? Should this be Pantheon? I say yes. I say more than 95% yes. Yeah. And for me, it's yes on the line for the fact that there is, while I was watching it, that there was like, there was a little bit of a lull in terms of my, my attention, like... My attention started to wander a little bit. I had the same problem with Empire Strikes Back, let's be honest. So, yeah. <laughs> there yeah. you go. So, like, but, but, like, for me, like, that's the one little thing where I'm like, uh... Yeah. But that said, it's so, like, <laughs> it's it's such a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it hits... I agree. It, it, and it hits again and again for generations. Again, I agree. All right, uh, so they made a mistake. It should be Pantheon. We do agree on this. Even though you're kind of on the margin, it should be Pantheon. There's a couple things I want to note here. Uh, Final note. So, uh, people talk about this as a parody of the of the fairy tale genre. Fair enough. Ron, uh, William Goldman himself said that um, he never wanted to write a parody, just a fairy tale for his daughters. Okay. Uh, and he also... Um, so... After the success of his book, that he sold the rights to the movie, mm-hmm. and then bought, out of his own money, the rights back. Back. Because he didn't want, um, and, and he says um, that some of the, like, after, there were some layoffs at Fox and this and that, um, but he says that I think they were suspicious that I had a deal or some plan. I just didn't want some idiot destroying what I'd come to realize was the best thing I would ever write. 
Fantastic. William Goldman said that. Himself, yeah. Of the Princess Bride script. That's cool. It was the best thing he ever wrote. That's cool. And just for reference, he wrote Maverick in 94, Chaplin in 92, Misery in 90, Princess Bride in 87, Heat in 86, A Bridge Too Far in 77, (laughs) Marathon Man in 76, All of President's Men in 76, The Stepford Wives Wives in 75. He's got cred. He's got cred. And Fix the Script to Goodwill Hunting in 1993. (laughs) Well, there you go. Uh, All right. All right. So... Uh, as always, everyone, I hope you've enjoyed tonight's conversation. Where can Video Land find Video Landers find you, Doctor Diamond Dead? You can find me on the Facebook page, most of all. Yeah, especially the Adventures in Video Land Facebook page. We make comments and posts from time to time, but you can always find us there. You could tag us there. But the conversation always begins and ends on Facebook. You've been listening to criticism in its finest hour. Until next time, Video Landers, as you wish. You gonna go with that? Ah, it just seems it seems know, cheesy. It's it didn't seem cheesy in the movie, but yeah. it did the way I or said like, it. Like you could very well as well say like, "Let my people go," <laughs> or, or, or 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 you could say, "It's inconceivable." My name is Enigma Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Uh, or we could just leave them with this: We, we love you. Love you.